For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to another edition of the Bandwagon Podcast. And today, um, one of the things around the whole kind of podcasting arena is trying to... Uh, one of the courtesies to invite other podcasters on. And today, um, I'm joined by the Brit Asia Podcast team and especially the main geese at the front, uh, Ted Samra. How are you? What's going on, Ricky? I'm good, man. How are you, bro? I'm not, I'm not sure in terms of whether you are the main one. I just added that little bit in there. I hope you appreciate that. No, no, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> it's always a team effort, but it's nice to be there. <laughs> the spirit. So, um, obviously, like, I know you're into, like, there's a whole music scene and that. Is there, like, a, a music video that you're going in there with the coat? And... You know what? It's actually really cold in the office. That's why I'm wearing it, man. <laughs> like, um, Birmingham's a lot colder than London, because obviously, it doesn't know me. Like, I'm based in London. Uh, I just I just thought some of the the superstars that you're hanging around with that you know I'm just waiting for you to wear shades. <laughs> no, it's actually really cold in it, so I just want to leave my coat on, man, because it's gonna be a while. You should tell Tony to put a pay for some heating. I know. Yeah, this building is like it's a nice building, but the heat just goes through the roof. It's freezing in it. It's freezing. So like, is that what what you like? You frequent? You spend a little bit of time at Birmingham Studios and just to go off to like London or how do you yeah, balance that around? So I'm basically not London based. Um, so obviously there's two sides of me so there's like you know the side of the scene of podcasting and obviously the commercial side of myself uh, the commercial side of myself is I'm actually a social media manager so I look after a lot of companies in developing and growing their social media footprint um, and this is something that I've been doing since I was a, like since the days of uh, Remember Members High Five Bebo MySpace etc mm. so I got onto the whole social media management at a very very young age I just didn't realise that there was a demand for it until you know later on so yeah. in terms of like you know, the music industry and stuff, like that, I've been involved in the music industry since I was 14, 15. Um, and what, what did you do like, like 14, 15 wise? What were you doing? Let me get door player. No, no, no. Oh, what? <laughs> it's always a door player. Do you want a door player? What the fuck? Like? <laughs> so at a young age, it was literally a case of like, I had an interest in music. Um, like I do have quite a lot of family members who are involved in the music industry. Like my mama in Canada, you know, he's been responsible for some of the biggest artists today. You know, he helped like, like someone more than Warris, you know, launched their career, Froze Khan, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's also very, very good friend of KS Mukken, and, you know, they've done a lot of stuff together in the past. So, you know, right. one side, on the other side, I've got, you know, family relations with the likes of A.S. Gung um, and stuff like that. So, that kind of stuff, you know, it's always nice to kind of be involved in. But, you know, I came in, in, in before I even started listening to Punjabi music, I was more a hip hop head. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. really that kind of in tune with Punjabi music, as in growing up, yeah, there was live bands, but when you kind of hit that kind of teenage years, it was more about, you know, your, your, your Dr. Dre's, your Eminem's, uh, Snoop, et cetera. Um, and then, I, then obviously there's that, there's that transition UK Bhangra when, you know, the hip hop sound came across and sampling was very, very heavy. You had like some DJ Sanj kind of like, you know, the next episode and that kind of stuff, you had RDB doing the whole garage vibe, et cetera. So that kind of got me kind of interested in music. So I wanted to learn how to make beats. I wanted to learn how to mix. I wanted to become a DJ, all that kind of stuff. Like you know, mm. now, like everyone's doing it, but this is when like, it was a very, very kind of niche kind of thing. Um, so I got in touch with, you know, a record label and I kind of said, look, man, I want to learn. And they were like, yeah, we'll teach you everything, you know? Cause back then, you know, the, the only way to communicate was MSN. So yeah, yeah. like now- well, who, who was the label? Um, I don't really want to say man. Oh, okay. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. Um, but yeah, there's this. And I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later on why. Um, yeah. I don't know what label, but um, got involved with them. And then kind of the people around in that label, um, they taught me everything, man. But the kind of one thing they kind of taught me was the back end of the industry. And when you're kind of young, you don't really care about the back end of the industry. But to be honest, looking back at it, had I not known that kind of stuff, it wouldn't have put me in the position I am now. You know mm. what I mean? So I, to understand marketing, to understand PR, to understand, you know, how to do a lot of things. You need to understand the backside of the industry. You need to understand, you know, 
what works, what doesn't work, why it works. You have to understand how, to, how you make relations in the industry, you know, how you kind of build rapport with people, how you build rapport with radio stations, etc. Because realistically, if you ain't building rapport with anyone, your music or anything isn't getting played. As in, you could be a great artist. Uh, and if you're a great artist, by the default, your music is going to get pushed out, etc. But if you're not building relationships in the industry, you're not going to get your music out. So from a very young age, I was taught, this is how you build rapport, this is how you build relationships. You know, I was taught to kind of, these are, these are your main radio stations, always look out for more radio stations, you know, set up meetings, that kind of stuff. So I got involved with that side. And then obviously from there, off the back of it, social media kind of came in. And then, you know, you're creating these profiles for these guys, you're creating kind of different techniques. Then obviously as social media evolves, you evolve the strategy and so on and so forth. So I got involved with that kind of side. Then while I was doing that, I was also kind of, you know, learning how to DJ. I was learning how to kind of make beats, et cetera. But there was this kind of transition point where I kind of saw things happening where artists just weren't being taken care of by labels. Um, mm -hmm. Artists weren't happy. Uh, people weren't you know, making money. And then it's a case of, you know, it's, you've gone from the generation where CD sales are generating a lot of funds to now they're not generating anything for a record label. So record labels are like, why should we invest in people who ain't kind of generating revenue for us? Um, so then seeing that, I was like, well, if there's no money in the industry, who's gonna invest in a young kid? Like, I'm done, man. Like, what's the point? Wasting my time in this? So the social media stuff, you know, I kind of kept it as a kind of a hobby, just helping out other people here and there. But the music side, I just kind of just thought, you know, fuck this, man. Like, if no one's gonna, if it's not financially viable, like, what's the point getting involved in this kind of stuff? But as a DJ, I knew like if I, you know, if, I, if I be a DJ, I can basically make money from like weddings, pre-weddings, et cetera, et cetera. So I kept that kind of thing going as well. But then what happened was, man, like um, as great as it was, I just hated rigging up, man, and unloading and stuff like that. Like it's glamour, like, you know what I mean? Like you know, when you're up there doing it, but to like, to because when you're starting off, man, you got to get your own rig, you have to set up, you have to unload you finish unsociable hours. Um, mm. And when you're young, you don't really understand that, you know, this, this is, you need to do this to kind of get to where you are. But at that kind of point, you know, two things kind of clashed. It was, you know, DJing and being a Bhangra dancer. Um, I was like, you know what, Bhangra sounds more fun. And, you know, coming from, um, you know, a family, especially from Punjab, so I have a Nanke, you know, Bhangra is massive out there. So my cousins, they've danced with the likes of DAV College, Khalsa College, et cetera. Yeah. So I started getting influenced with, with those guys. Um, and I was like, yo, uh, I want to dance, man. So like, you know I mean, I spent time in India. I learned to dance with those guys, came to the UK. Uh, I joined VP Bangladesh Virus Up Punjab. I started dancing with them. But what happened was I kind of just loud music. You know, I was like, if I, I, I'm enjoying kind of Bangladesh dancing more than music. And I was like, just, I left, I, just, I kind of just walked, turned my back on music. I was like, DJing the whole side, just left it. But, this is the thing, man. Like, you think being a punk dancer is a lucrative industry? It's not. Yeah, it ends up costing you more to be a punk dancer. So, so <laughs> like, what I'm getting from this, you're, you're consistently bad luck with money, especially with with, with, with in this industry. Yeah, so then I came a punk dancer, but you know what? It was fun, man. Like, I'm not yeah. like, with VP punk like, you know, we went to the Olympics, went to fucking the Palace. Uh, you know, we toured, went to like tour with the G, the Sanj, uh, like. Jazzy, uh, the Apollo, yeah, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't, the team are great things, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, even seeing it now, it's like you know, how this team kind of grew. Even now, you've got that next generation of kids who are now coming through, and it's kind of amazing to like to see, like, you know what, Fungra isn't about money, you're not going to become rich being a Fungra dancer, but it's kind of keeping in touch with your culture, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people who joined the team who knew nothing about Punjabi culture, but by dancing, they started getting more in touch with like the language, the music, you know everything and it, that's the kind of thing you want to see you want, you want your culture to remain alive you know what i mean um so from then basically yes then dancing dance, dancing but then from that i kind of just i wanted to kind of get back into the whole music side thing as well but i kind of just realized you know what man, like i just you start hearing a lot more things you know what i mean like even from a young age like you, you start looking back in hindsight and you know people that should be looking after you they're not looking at you you know because you're seeing things happening to people when you're young you don't understand but when you get older you start realizing there's things going on in this industry which aren't right. There's things of how artists are being treated which isn't right. What, what, what do you mean? So, like, obviously, like, for some people in terms of they'll be, you know, they could get that from kind of face value, but if you're looking through your experience that you're seeing it from in different stages that you talked about it from DJ to all this, what yeah. were some of the, the big things that you saw that you thought, hang on, that, that, that ain't right? You know, at hindsight, right? Like, at the, at the time, like, when you're involved in any team or group or whatever, 
if you're loyal to your kind of leader, I call it a leader, right? You're going to believe everything that gets said. You're going to believe everything that they do is always right. And you're going to think that, you know, it's always about, you know, the team. It's, and it is, it's always about a team. It's always about the great good. But sometimes when you're kind of so young, you're being manipulated and brainwashed into thinking that this is the right thing to do. So there was occasions where, you know, some people were kind of burning bridges with people across the other side of the industry. And if you're kind of the face of, you know, I don't know, a company or a label, whatever, and you're burning bridges with everyone else, you automatically get kind of, you know, um, given that same rep, like, oh, just because he's like that, his whole team are like that, or that individual's like that, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Is it, is it, is that guilty by association? Because like, yeah. I've already seen you. I didn't know you in the other kind of other areas, or yeah. I haven't. Had, I've already seen you in the podcast area. So yeah. like, all, all this is new to me in terms of you know from what you're saying. But it's quite you know fairly common from what you were saying in terms of some of your stories that you can see a lot of people fall in love and fall out in love with the, with with their passion. Yeah, and like there, there, there's, there's instances, and, and you know, one thing that someone said to me, like you know, uh, a while back was, and he, he mentioned it goes, you know, certain people that you know were supposed to take care of us they were supposed to give us the right advice. You know, they, they've been through those experiences so they should lead you on the right path. They know right through wrong, but what they're doing is they're telling you wrong. And when they're telling you wrong, it makes you look bad. It makes you behave a certain way, etc. So then you start questioning, hold on. At the time, you, your loyalty is with whoever you're with. But when you step away from it and you start looking inwards, you're like, hold on, man. That guy did me wrong. That guy did me wrong. That guy, like, I, like I've seen it happen, not just to DJs. I've seen it happen to producers. I've seen producers' careers ruined because, you know, the people they were around didn't want them to work with somebody else, didn't want them to expand. You know, there's a phrase where in the film B.I.G. where one of Biggie's boys says to him, I'll take the fall and I'll go to prison for you. And if I go to prison, you have to make it because when you make it, we all make it. That actually, we all making it isn't amongst Abhinay in this industry. It doesn't matter what side of the industry you look at, whether it's from you know, bhangra dancing, whether it's from music, whether it's from certain DJs, roadshows, etc. It's a lot of time, it's me, 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 I, I, I. It's I have to eat first, then I'll feed everybody else, which I think is totally, totally wrong. And that's, I'm sorry, just going on to the podcast. I'll, yeah. I'll come to the podcast a bit later on. Yeah. One of the topics we kind of discussed in the podcast was about that kind of stuff. You know, it's about, if, just imagine how much further we could all go if we work together. If we start creating our barriers and excluding each other, you're, you're running your own little race in your own little lane. But imagine like, for example, if I don't know, another guy jumps on this podcast tomorrow, you know, your podcast will blow up, the British podcast will blow up, another podcast will blow up, you know what I mean? And everyone does well because people kind of like those conversations, et cetera, but that actually just isn't there. I think it's it, maybe because the podcasting so far isn't as lucrative of what, well, is yeah. it lucrative at all really? Yeah, yeah. Unless you're earning, unless you're on stupid, stupid numbers. But I think, I think there's a difference between the end objective of is it the passion that you're after? Yeah. Or is it the money? Because if you think like the younger generation that I've kind of spoken to, especially in the whole, in the music scene or in the DJ kind of thing, it's about peas, money, all of this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, you'll get, if that's what you want, that's what you you will get it. You will get it. Mm. But it's at what cost? You know, what are you prepared to offset? your passion for what you like are you prepared to offset it for the sacrifice that you won't see your family for that long when are you going to get time to spend it knowing the risks of addiction with alcohol cocaine all of these kind of things especially involved in that scene yeah. are you are you prepared to kind of offset it for that because you will get the money it's there it, it is it is that it is there and i think what that does it divide it doesn't create unity it gives the fake impression like, yeah, yeah, I'm safe with you. I'm safe with you. Have your picture for the Instagram or whatever you're going to do. And then 10 minutes down the line, like it's completely forgotten about. Yeah. But I think people start, mate, I think people just take it for credit that people don't know that, that shit's happening. I think that the industry is so small in, in the UK, especially. I'm very keen in the UK that everyone knows everyone anyway. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just like, that's I, one, like because of how small this industry is. Like, I remember, and I'll be straight up, man. Like, I don't, I, I don't have to feel that. I've seen artists manipulate models and all this kind of stuff when I was younger. And when you're younger, you kind of question, like, is this right? Because when you live such a kind of innocent life when you're quite young, you're thinking, hold on, this is not right. 
But who are you as a young kid to kind of say, you know, that's wrong because someone's a lot older than you, you should know right from wrong. But then when you kind of get older and you're now in that position, like there's been times where I've seen it happen in, you know, when we we got a Bangla team or like an after party and we see wrong things happening, yo, you speak up. You know, I've seen it um, happen amongst, you know, certain artists who kind of slid into, you know, um, influences, DMs that, you know, we work with, et cetera, and they've kind of been inappropriate. They think that because you're in this position, you can kind of do these things, say these things and get away with it. But remember, the industry is so, so small. Like there's going to be, you know, eventually that story is going to come round and round and round and round. Yes, some stories might get fabricated and whatever, whatever. But in instances where you're kind of abusing your position to kind of, you know, just for the wrong reasons, it's not right because we are not a big industry. This is not a huge industry. But how do you utilise then <clears throat> your platform and Britasia especially as being one of the kind of, one of the dominant forces or re-emerging in itself really in terms of um, working its way back up to where it was? Because I still feel that as the seeds changed, the channels had to change in the way that how it's put in and rebranding and re-exercising its way back to where it, where it could and should be. Yeah. Like, how do you, you as a platform, as a, a channel, then try and regulate that or try and clean that stuff up? Because surely at some stage you might have to say morally, I'm not going to play that person, so, or I'm not going to do this. Or you see people that cancel culture. Yeah. Are you almost kind of victim of, are you, are you at a risk of doing it yourselves? As in, look, I can't speak for the rest of the channel. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not just saying, yeah, yeah. I'm just, saying like, from a, just the podcast. But yeah, from the from, podcast point of view. From the podcast point of view, like when I was kind of called into the podcast, I was told, look, the podcast has started, it's doing okay, but make it more relevant and make it better. And the only way I could think of that was, you know what, tell real stories from real people impacting the scene, impacting the industry. Do you know what I mean? So the conversations that I was bringing to the platform were the real stories. So if we kind of go in chronological order, you know, one of the first ones was that farmers for this, yeah. And I've always said, look, if you are a Jabi and you're, you know, you, you're about the Bangla culture, you're a dancer, you're et cetera, and you're not supporting the farmers' protest, you should not be kind of associated to this culture. Because don't use this platform to rip it off for all its glory and, you know, reap the rewards. But when a struggle comes, you're nowhere to be seen, mm. you know. So the farmers' protest podcast was there. And to be honest, yeah, we got love from that. You know, we did get kind of hate from, you know, those that are against the farmers' protest, um, you know, that you call them Modi's jumps or whatever. But, yo, you're, that's going to happen regardless, right? And then the next podcast we now, you know, was likes with Chet Sandu. And with Chet Sandu, you know, there was a life, it wasn't a kind of life of crime podcast where we're kind of glorifying what he's done. We're not talking about, you know, him being a smuggler, et cetera. It was about understanding what was the scenarios that caused you to become into that life. And it was a big issue of racism. You know, what our parents and what our grandparents went through, it, it's not nice. And those stories are quickly getting brushed under the carpet, but yo, we're in 2021, going to 2022, and we've seen racism is, it's not, it hasn't disappeared, you know? And it, it was important to have those conversations with the likes of Chet and Apache to kind of say, look, you know, racism is still there. Just because, you know, it's kind of been brushed under the carpet doesn't mean that it stopped. And, you know, if, if we can kind of nip it in the bud now, we can prevent more kids going to that kind of life of crime. We can prevent more kids. And that's what that podcast was doing. And then at this point is when, you know, we started getting a lot of kind of complaints from people saying you're glorifying the wrong things and this, that, and the other. The actual Chet Sandu podcast was actually two and a half hours. And because of complaints and whatnot, we had to cut it down to 45 minutes. Is that but, because of in terms of like, you're, you're putting it onto TV? Whereas if you had it on a different platform, let's say YouTube or anything else, you wouldn't have that, those problems. I think with YouTube, it's so much easier because you're in control of that. You know what I mean? But if you want to reach a bigger platform with messages, use your TV platform, you know? And that was one of the things that Asia's podcast was doing. But then, couldn't, you just, couldn't you just do it in terms of saying, here's a condensed version, the full version's available on these platforms? Yes and no. Because one of the biggest problems is, and I'll get, I'll get to it in a second, is when people start reporting your podcast. <laughs> And when you start getting strikes, you're, you're at risk of losing your channel. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And for like, if I, if I was putting my own personal channel, get strikes and pull down, fine. But for a company the size of British and their YouTube channel, you know, if that gets striked and shut down, you know, the channel's lost a massive kind of, you know, tool that they're using, you know, and it kind of, and from there, you know, things just kind of went on. And like the next conversation we had was, you know, there was, you know, Jazz Core from Core Movement. We spoke about being abused in a place of worship. 
again, you know, this is some that firsthand experienced it. You know, she's very kind of, and the experiences and trauma she went through, again, you know, those conversations need to be had. You know, Apache kind of came in from his angle of, you know, yes, we always kind of, we are looking at the victims, et cetera, but at the same time, we're letting perpetrators get away from it, you know? And they're talking about the whole cultural attitude of, you know, social conditioning and stuff like that. These conversations, again, need to happen because th this abuse in our community is happening. But again, you shouldn't be talking about that. Why? But do, but do you feel in terms of like, obviously they're very controversial kind of subjects. And I think that depending on the angles that you're coming from, yeah. obviously with TV, it's got to have a different captive audience very quickly, short, sharp. Yeah. The, the podcasts are not necessarily designed for from that way. It's kind of long conversation really, isn't it? Um, at, at what point do we kind of keep Kind of hiding and shying away from it. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. It, 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 I don't think those kind of um, let's call them stigma or all those yeah. all those or those. I hate the word, but like taboo subjects. Yeah. Um, I think there's more of a conditioning as in terms of a, a culture as a community where we are not used to having long conversations or talking therapies. Yeah. We are not. I I really feel that sometimes when you try and have a deeper conversation about, let's say, sexuality or. Uh, uh, sex education or even um, substance misuse or anything those kind of things like if you try and raise it and you speak to someone they're not really conditioned in, in that way yeah. I think eventually I think especially next generation you'll start seeing a lot more openness in terms of being more engaged in the more conversations that you do have the thing is that, that you think that would be the case right but they're still kind of like oh yeah I'm not just. I, I yeah, will agree like with even you. even amongst our generation, there is that social conditioning because if your parents have taught you to behave in a certain way and think in a certain attitude, and like for example, let's just talk about I don't know, like all these girls that are on uh, TikTok, for example, you know you got all these girls on TikTok who you know just using the platform for whatever, whatever. If they're dressed in a certain way, you have certain people who still believe that you know women shouldn't be dressed in a certain way, women shouldn't behave a certain way. That social conditioning is something that it's instilled from generations and generations and generations and generations. Mm. And it's like, until we kind of bring it to the forefront and make people realize, look, there is more, things have changed. How do we adapt? If we adapt, how do we kind of adapt in a way that we're still kind of holding onto our culture? Holding, mm. And it's, it's just, and people don't want to have those conversations. And there's, there's a part of our generation where there's a huge change. And there's a part that are quite happy to kind of believe those attitudes. Right? But again, if that's your belief and attitude, fair enough, you run with that, you know what I mean? but don't stop people from speaking up about it. And there's, there's cultural politics, society politics, and there's identity politics, isn't it? Yeah. And I think what, what, what you're saying is that there's almost a, a clash between how to bring the identity politics and the cultural one up at the same time. Yeah. And I just think there's just a natural give, but eventually you're going in the right direction. Do you feel it's going in the right direction? Yes and no. Okay. And the reason I say that is, you know, the, the podcast was doing great. It was putting in good numbers. You know, especially it was 10 o'clock at night. The minute we start getting complaints and complaints and complaints and complaints and, you know, threats that, you know, we're going to send complaint off comm and stuff like that, then you start thinking, hold on, man, like, what's happening here? Are we doing something wrong by having these real conversations, by real stories, you know? Palmji, for example, she's an amazing model. She's doing, she's done amazing for Samsung. She's now also in well, the faces of Wagamama. She spoke about being a, a victim of revenge for, you know, how her pictures got leaked. This is something that's impacting kids. If, if you can't have these conversations that impacting kids in this generation with smartphones and WhatsApp and Snapchat, et cetera, what is the point in us even talking? Because this can impact your kids. How are you as a parent going to know how to deal with something like that? When it, if, and God forbid it happens to your kid, if it happens. And by her talking about her experiences and talking about you know the support she had on one side and then kind of the bullying she had on the other side, if she didn't tell her story, you know, it's a case of these things don't happen. But so many people messaged saying thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, you've helped us. We know we're not alone. We know we can reach out to you. You know, going back to Jasmine, for example, by Jasmine saying, look, Core Movement is here to help you guys. People started reaching out to Core Movement and telling them, look, we need help, this has happened, et cetera. That is the right thing we're achieving from these kind of conversations. But then it's a case of, well, why are people, why is our own community stopping us from having these conversations when we can help people? There's so many people out there suffering whether it's kind of domestic abuse, domestic violence, whether it's emotional abuse, emotional violence, drugs, substance, gangs, yeah. you know. And the podcast was there to basically say, look, these are real stories by real people. Reach out to them. You know, another example is Missy D. She was one of the biggest radio presenters. And she basically kind of just said her career got killed off because she was bullied in the industry. 
But even to this day, Missy's still getting, she's saying that she's getting, you know, people hitting her up, saying that we'd love to hit reach up for advice, help, etc. Mm. Cool. What is, what, what have we done wrong by allowing people to get help and support by using a platform? You know, Asia is about British Asian conversations. Should we just kind of stop having these conversations and talk about how everything's great? And I, and I always said this, I was like, if I do this podcast, I don't want to have guests coming on and we just talk to guests about, oh, hey, how's your year been? What's the next release? What's the future plans? Because it's been there, it's done it. You know what I mean? Show the other side. Show that there is toxic sides. There is mental health issues in the industry. If you are a model, you know, you can uh, potentially direct. Not every director is there to help you build a career. Some directors have their own agendas. You know, there was an, issue, there was an episode about OnlyFans. And we wanted to understand, like, why is there such a rise of, you know, um, South Asian girls jumping on OnlyFans? You know, and the best way to do it is ask somebody who's on yeah. it. So, you know, so many girls were happy to come on, but then they got a bit scared, which is totally understandable. You know, one girl came on and she kind of told, look, why she got to OnlyFans, her journey, etc." Now, what Apache was saying was like, you know, we, we, we asked the question, being Apache, we were like, you know, how do your parents feel about it? Are your parents okay with it? You know, how did you deal with, you know, the issues that you face, et cetera, et cetera. So all the questions that people want to know, we asked those questions. And before this episode could even air, we got, and it got pulled off online. We hadn't even put it on YouTube. We put it on uh, Instagram and TikTok. And, you know, it got reported so many times it got pulled off. But the thing that makes me laugh was the numbers were huge. There was nothing sexually explicit in that conversation that was happening with her. What, she the was, number of complaints was huge? Yeah. For, for the fact that TikTok had put it down multiple times, Instagram had put it down multiple times. Now, if we put it on TV, you really would have had a lot more complaints. But what the conversations that were happening were kind of not just about her and OnlyFans, et cetera. It was talking about, you know, why are parents not having conversations with their kids about sex, for example, you know, safe sex? You know, we're, we're so kind of scared to talk to our kids about, you know, safe sex, uh, you know, rape, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera which is just causing that snowball effect of, you know, they have to go out there, figure it out themselves. And when they figure it out themselves and they make a mess of it, we're still not there to help them. You know, if we kind of nip this in the button early on and talk about it, you know, it's a healthier relationship. But again, Arpanir didn't like that. They're like, don't have these conversations. But then we had to kind of change the podcast up. Then we were like, you know what? Let's kind of take a step back and let's start rebuilding again. So obviously, you know, other podcasts came and went, but again, people were just saying that there was like, I'd probably say that 80% love, 20% hate. But that 20% hate is the ones that who go over and beyond of emailing, complaining, et cetera, et cetera. But the 80% were literally like, when is it coming back? Bring it back, bring season two back, et cetera. So we had to change up a little bit. We then kind of went on to TikTok and we kind of made like the bite-sized conversations cut up. Yeah. And even then the conversations we were having, um, they were real conversations with real people. Uh, about things that are impacting the industry, the kind of entertainment side of things, again. Um, and again, you read through the comments. You have, you know, people who are generally kind of happy these conversations are happening. And yeah, then there's those people who are just absolutely against it. You're never going to find that medium. And I've always said, look, as long as I've got the platform, I'll keep having these conversations. I'll keep bringing these things to the forefront. You know, if people, if it keeps getting pulled down, you will find other channels, you know. Tony Shagel is giving his backing and support of it. And he likes that these conversations are happening. And if we're not going to have these conversations, who will? Because you're not going to have them at home. You're not going to have them on these other platforms. There's so many platforms out there who kind of shy away from it. But one thing which was kind of positive was when these conversations started happening, I started seeing other media outlets having the same conversation. So again, it has that positive effect of like, it takes one person to start it, one others start talking about it as well. But if we don't use these platforms to do you know, the best of our ability, what is the point of having them? Do you, do, like... Uh, do you feel in terms of like um, it, it, I think it's been a bit of an eye opener in some ways because you, you've, you're trying to get a captive audience you're trying to get an audience for, for people to listen yeah. and there, are, there is a risk of when you kind of sensationalise it you bite size down it and you put it onto onto Instagram you're going to put up the most catchiest point and some people what probably I'm guessing the majority of people who have complained who complained, didn't even watch the whole thing. Yeah. They saw that one little bit, made the assumption of what it was like, and that's it. They've just reacted to it. Mm. it do you reckon it's the case of trying to work around and actually making the people out of it understand that this is a different forum, a different space? It's, 
yeah, like you can you can only educate someone so far. And I think also age makes a massive difference. Like obviously, when I was younger, you, you, you become hot-headed. You know, you react. Things like in an instant. You don't realise that there's another side to a story. There's, you know, there might be four sides to a story. You just, what's in front of you, you see red, and you, you go and attack. You know, there's so many times there's clips on, you know, you see on these meme pages, et cetera, where somebody posts a clip of something very, very controversial. Everybody reacts to it, but they've cut out even the start or the ending. So you don't actually know what's happening at the start or the end. You just kind of see things. And realistically, it's, a, it's it, this kind of concept, it's click, clickbait, right? You create clickbait, bring in the traffic to engage people. Mm. And, you know, some people will understand that it's clickbait and will watch the rest. Some people just, they'll be so hang up on that one kind of segment and just kind of keep going, keep going, keep going. But it is what it is, man. Like, change takes time. You know, yeah. you know if this podcast was going to be scrapped, it would have scrapped a long time ago. But, you know, we're looking at season two now. You know, so we're planning season two then. Hopefully. So did you have to pull season one a lot shorter than what you were scheduled to do it? Yeah. So season one, I believe six episodes went out. And yeah. then last three or four, three couldn't go out because obviously of the controversy of complications. So we stuck them online. And the last one, we just couldn't risk it going out because the, the heat it was getting on, you know, um, TikTok and Insta again, pulled down, etc. There was, however, one podcast, and those who actually who were involved in it um, know who they are. This podcast, if it went out, would have kind of shaken the industry because I didn't realize that there's such wrongdoing everywhere of how people are treated in certain organizations, how you know there's corruption in certain organizations, and so on and so forth. This was a very, 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 very good podcast for those that actually watched it internally. But the problem was, was you put this out there. Yes, it will create a storm. Yes, it will create possible change. But the biggest problem was, was we were scared that if we put this podcast out, it will damage more people's careers. Mm-hmm. Because the people that need protecting won't be protected because the guy at the top will see this and be like, you know what? You guys shouldn't have said this. Why did you say this? This isn't true. Da, 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 da. And this podcast, I, I've still got it. And I hope one day it does come out because it was actually like for me, I mean, there, there was a girl on the Rupinda, you know, who was part of the original kind of podcast team. And even for some of the stuff that she heard from it and I heard from it, it was a case of really? What? Since when? Like how long has this been going on for? Like we were shocked because obviously the people on there have been in the industry a lot longer. And it wasn't nice, man, that this, and I, and I said this to everyone, like even like youngsters kind of reach out to the channel, et cetera, like if I'm about, don't think this industry is all glammy and glitzy and great. You're gonna have to grind. Like, you know, you talk about people who want the money, et cetera. There's some people who've been grinding for years and years and years, and they still haven't had their big break. And then there's some that, you know, have paid their way to kind of get to where they are. There's some people that have screwed over people to get to where they are. There's, you know, I know so many kind of producers out there who've stolen beats from other producers, claimed it as their own, haven't given credit. You know, I know so many models who've kind of spread lies about other models. You know, I know, so, there's just, I don't know, dancers who've done like this internal dancing politics. You hear about this kind of stuff. And it's a case of, it's not right. This is, this is all setting you up to set you, to release your own book one day. Um, they, <laughs> I could just tell. Yeah, but this is the thing. It's like you, even if you kind of release these stories out there, who's going to believe you? You know, there's there's been instances where, you know, people have kind of called out things that were wrong, and they were hundred percent wrong, but it gets flushed down. You know what I mean? It gets flushed down. The person's camp will get their kind of entourage or their followers to kind of kill it. And yes, I understand that you know it's somebody's career at the end of the day, etc. Nobody wants to be like you know called out for doing wrong. But if wrong is wrong in this industry, man, it needs to be called out because if you're impacting and causing danger to someone's life, it's not right, man. And this is what this podcast is about, and it'll always be about is calling out the wrong. Yeah, I think I think I was just you know just trying to think of the differences in terms of what different kind of podcasts are out there. You guys are kind of focusing on subject matter rather than actual subjects in it, you know, in terms of like an individual. Uh, and you, you, you're naturally through art of conversation. It's going to, you're going to, you're going to bring up some positive and then, and a lot of negative, but surely in some of the, like 
when you're kind of listening to this bit, you could just, I get the sense of kind of like restriction, self-restriction, self-censorship, all of these things that you can't really be as free as you want as, as you want to be. Has there ever been a point where you're thinking about actually just not I'm not I'm not taking a little dig here, but like how you've left all the other stuff that this yeah. might actually fit into that pile again? No. Because and the reason for this is it's working. Mm. If it wasn't getting a reaction, but the thing is, like, if you take into music, for example, like, if I kind of go back, like, I didn't, I didn't leave Bangra. I kind of like, I'm, I'm still involved, but not as actively involved in shows. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of, for example, the music side of things, it's, I was in the wrong camp. Had I been under any other camp who would have kind of taken care of me, I would have still pursued music. I would have still gone down that route. I would have stayed that kind of side. If you're not around the right team or the right people who are helping you progress and push you and challenge you, then you're not in the right team. So all these kind of things, like, you know, the music side, et cetera, et cetera. I wasn't in the right team. I wasn't being challenged. I wasn't being pushed. I was being constrained. I was being told, don't do this because I don't want you to do it. Not because it's not right, right thing to do, it's because I don't want you to do it, you can't do it. If I can't have it, you can't have it. You know, there's one good friend of mine and he was, he was approached by a very, very big record label. And he was told, no, you can't work for them. If it doesn't benefit me, why should I let you work from there? You know, somebody who's, who's kind of built their craft for years, made so many beats, you know, done so many events to kind of get to this, this kind of the pinnacle of their career, was told, no, you can't go there. You know, there was another artist who was kind of coming into the industry and he would have been huge now, but the way he was kind of killed off because Next Man wasn't allowed to get involved in the people who want to collaborate with him, it was horrible, man. And this guy could have, this guy's career could have been up there because he came he yeah. came right time. I'm not I'm not justifying it from 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 that side, but like music, the stories that you're saying is kind of like very similar in all aspects of music. Do you think it's just only exclusive to Punjabi music that you're talking about? No, as in this this happens everywhere. But I feel like in the Punjabi side of things, it's because, for example, you look at mainstream. Mainstream has a huge huge infrastructure. You know what I mean? There's more structure. There's more kind of roots, et cetera. In the Punjabi industry, there isn't a huge structure. There isn't X amount of roads. You literally have, like, you can look at it like a motorway, like three lanes. So when your lanes are being blocked off, there's nowhere else for you to go. So where, where, where does one go when they can't go anywhere? You're being told, that's it. This is the end of the road for you. You can keep driving up to this point and drive back, drive forth, drive back. Eventually, you're going to get bored. You're going to be like, well, what is this? Then you look on the other side, you know, the next, and it's like, well, hold on, they're traveling further. Why are they traveling further? Why can't I go on that road? It's like, well, hold on, because and it's the, it's the Asian attitude of if I can't have it, you can't have it. If I can't do well, you're not going to do well. I'd rather pull you down to make me feel better than, you know, let you go on, build yourself, and then you know, maybe you might help me down in life. And and I, I give examples like Apache Indian, like the first time I met Apache. Um, I didn't ask him to post about, about me on his Instagram. You know, Apache's a mainstream artist at the end of the day, right? He's got a massive mainstream following. You look at his streams even now, his streams are in the millions. And he posted about me kind of, you know, an encouraging, heartwarming message. And that is somebody who would lift you up. Whereas would any other artist do that? Would somebody kind of go out of their way to be like, oh, I see something in this guy. He's going to do well. Let me kind of help him as much as I can. You know, Apache's never, ever asked for money to be on the podcast. He, for him, it's about helping and growing. His attitude and ethos has always been, if we all grow, we all do well. And you know what? I but do you feel that. that's because, like, obviously the route that he's taken, he was quite different to everybody else in terms of his journey, that he experiences those kind of divisions very early on and some of those obstacles of... Uh, you know, bringing two, three cultures together, fusing it, making a sound, doing it. He was fighting some of them battles very early on. Yeah. You know, and then one, you know, that was successful, gone through there. And he can he can see those issues, those social issues that we were just talking about earlier in terms of your subject matter right. to try and actually try and address those as early as possible, especially for young, encouraging artists like yourself in whatever you want to do. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, you know, because he, but the other side of it is also, it's, he's been there, he's done it. He doesn't want anybody else to go for the same battles. 
So if he can help someone avoid that, he's going to help someone avoid that. Yeah. And it's, it kind of goes back to my earlier kind of thing of, you know, there's, there's been people that have come into our, you know, my life, my friends' lives, et cetera, of people who know right from wrong, but they'll deliberately tell you wrong because they went through the wrong themselves. Is it because they want you to learn whatever, or is it a case of they don't want you to be better than them? And that's just kind of, I think, we have a long way to go there. Mm. Like you can be best friends with somebody in the industry in any form one day, tomorrow, eventually, when it comes to money, when it comes to fame, when it comes to... Something as petty as Instagram followers, you're going to see division. You know, I've seen it in a lot of young, kind of young kids that have kind of come through um, the channel. You know, British African called British Academy. Yeah. And you have, you, you've got to teach these kids, you know, who are coming in, like, listen, it's not a one-man show in terms of any project that you do. Any project that you do, you know, you've got to credit the researcher. You've got to credit the guy shooting the camera. You've got to credit the sound guy. You've got to credit the editor. You've got to credit the presenter. There's so many layers to a successful thing, but if you go out there and you post it like, I did this, this is all me. No, man, that's not right. And I think, again, it's a case of being taught the right thing. Like, I've been through the bad times. You know, I, I, if anybody from the academy comes up to me and asks me for advice, I'll tell them the truth. I'll tell them, like, try and do this, try and do that. Because if somebody does well based on your advice, it should make you feel good. You know what? That, that person's gone through really well, and I was a part of that. Don't be bitter and sour about that. It should have been me, et cetera, et cetera. When your time's going to come, your time's going to come. But do you think then, like, you're almost propagating the whole thing that you're going against because you've got an account, you're selecting people who've got high followers, uh, or you might not be high followers, but the potential to be um, and become an influencer. They're seeing people with high numbers, whether they've bought fake yeah. views or whatever, that they say to get there, this is the image. And they will just do anything to get to that level, whether it, it's in there. And, you, and you're rewarded by saying, if you get high numbers, we're going to play you on, on, on here or we're going to, we'll, we'll give you a contract to become the face of Britasia or part of the podcast or whatever that may be. Britasia don't have to do that, you know? We don't, we don't pick them based on numbers. So, no, um, I, know, I, know, I know, I totally just said it, but I'm, I'm, may, maybe I'm, I'm kind of generalising it in terms of kind of media. In, in I know, as in, like, as, in, as in media industry as a whole. It's yeah. a case of if somebody's got good numbers and good following, et cetera, that's an investment. Don't look at the person who's got less numbers, who could be equally as great. You know, and the other day, and, and I've kind of given you a story about this, is, um, you know, British were compiling their top 100 tracks of 2021. And, you know, you were going through every song that kind of released. And there's obviously your standard artists that have, you know, the millions and millions of views. There's some artists that kind of, out of nowhere, just hit a, know, a billion views work, right? And then you have some artists who are touring week in, week out, who don't have higher numbers. And you can tell, like, and I can use that, like, GCD. GCD's numbers, I can 100% say, hand on heart, they're genuine numbers. I don't think he's fabricated any of his numbers. But, and you can tell he's successful because, you know, he's getting booked week in, week out. He's getting interviews. He's working with big guys, et cetera, et cetera. That is success. You know what I mean? And you... If somebody looked at GCD who didn't know anything about Punjabi music, they might be like, oh, well, hold on. He hasn't got a high number of followers or a high number of views compared to next man who's bought everything, et cetera. Let's reward the guys who got a bigger number of followers who follow, et cetera, because that's more beneficial to us. But in reality, GCD has got, you know, lower views than next man from the bend. Mm. You know, what's the, you're, you're rewarding the wrong person for the wrong things, for not rewarding the right guy for doing the right things. And I think that's across the industry. It's a case of this perception of, you know, hits equal success. Views equal success. You know, KS Bumrah uncle came and I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. And he said to me straight, he was like, you look at every wedding um, playlist, right? He goes, you have, you have X amount of artists who release X amount of music per year. And why is it that the wedding kind of playlists haven't changed in the last 10, 15 years? You've got one, two, five, maybe new songs that you kind of put in. Because your kind of start segment, standard, Miss Puja, that's still playing every wedding season all around the world. It goes, the end of the parties, because you're still hearing our songs are like etc. The middle are kind of, you know, your sharing miles, etc. But he's saying, if these artists were so successful with their numbers, etc., shouldn't their songs be playing at weddings? I, you know, something I would agree. I would agree. But then I, I would say significantly, I saw a change in that in the last sort of, two years that I would say in my experience, like I, I'm away from it all now, but it was, I, I definitely saw 
the English sets in in uh, weddings started to get bigger and bigger, less Punjabi music time. And then I also started seeing like other songs that like, like those boys that like AP in them, like AP, they're unbelievable what they're achieving. And they, you know, they're practically mainstream. Like what they've done, and you can just see their tall stuff. These guys yeah. are, they know what the, they know what they're doing. Like, mm-hmm. You know, they are masters of their craft or and executing their plans. But like when I saw like insane being played at a wedding, I was like, I don't understand that vibe because I'm not that demographic anymore. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that demographic anymore. So those those are the those those kind of staple diet tracks that that were always like uh, lifetime. You could bank your house out. People going to start dancing to. Yeah. Eventually, those just start fading out. The yeah. same ways in the 80s and the 90s, you had staple songs that you knew that were going to be there. Mm. But the next genre, I think we're such enchanted waters. And it's really true in one aspect is when your song that comes out that you like, you dance to it. Yeah. You know, because that you, I think we're in a, that much a fruitful position that now there is so much different uh, variety of the kind of music that you like. Like I, I like Punjabi folk, old school Punjabi folk. Mm. I like hip hop, like Punjabi. I love that. I look, that's my kind of thing. I'm not saying I wouldn't listen to anything else, but it's like if I had to go to, if I had to pick my stuff, you already know your kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your, your taste that you want to do. Mm. And so, like, I, I, I will say, like, that whole market and numbers and things like that will start influencing it because now people will be like taking pictures on Snapchat of their wedding or where their mates are out right there. And then Tag the artist, and they know if we tag the artist, we're going to get more views on our things. It's all driven by social media from that side, rather than the actual event and enjoyment. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, look at and like one thing is, you go to a club, you'll see a group of people sitting there. You know, faces sour as anything, right? Pull out the phone for the gram. Suddenly drinks in the air, smiling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That goes on a story. Then back to you know what I mean, being antisocial. This I, social- I, I got one mate, yeah. I want I won't say he'll know who it is and he'll probably follow me after. This guy goes to any session, he goes to a session and he's there literally five minutes. Yeah, he'll be at the beginning of where like, let's say there's bottles of that. He'll take the picture, he'll take the picture, and they go, Yeah, big session, whatever <laughs> going on. Yeah, he'll probably have one glassy about half an hour later. You're like, where, where the fuck's he gone? Yeah, and then on the on his Insta, then he'll do that, he'll go to like a few of it. You go to a few of the parties and do the same. It's, yeah. like, it's classic. Until we took the piss out of him and it once. And then he was like, nah, he, he started to stay. But <laughs> it's, it's people who have mastered the art of like social media and, and, and uh, you know, popularity and who to connect with. And I say this to all my clients as well, like don't believe the hype of social media. You know, I've had clients where, you know, we've grown their page organically and they've hit big numbers. I've had some clients where I told them straight, like you're not going to grow because you're, you know, your, your brand is just too very two-dimensional. You need to change it, et cetera, et cetera. Next thing I know, you know, they've got like 30,000 followers overnight. But it's a case of, you know, they bought the fake followers. They've, they're, they're happy to live a fake image online, but they're wanting acceptance of a, this virtual people. You know what I mean? It's this very kind of social media is like, for, as a business, yeah, great, fair enough. But as a mindset, it is dangerous and it is toxic. But I think the model's weird. Like, I, I, I have a separate podcast channel for yeah. my for, for this one. And you'll get just random people just following you because they're trying to sell you a lot of crap yeah. or they do that. So you, you, you're naturally going to get those. You'll get podcasters actually buying massive, you got, I don't know, how many, let's say, about four posts and all of a sudden you got like 10,000 followers. You're like, okay, this is, it, it, it's just strange. Yeah. And I just thought, if it's going into this market and there's no one here, like, yeah. you know, but I, I, I try to, um, I'm in conversation with a guest and uh, they, they're they asking me, oh, yeah, you know, how many followers and how many followers have you got and how many people subscribe? And I'm like, mate, I don't give it, like my wife don't follow me. I don't give a shit. You know, it's just like, I'm just doing it out of my own enjo- enjoyment, having conversations, understanding people with different perspectives, their stories, not my story, their opinion, but we yeah. can have a conversation of opinions. But then you but then you get pushed because if I want that guest, I need to hit this numbers. I need to hit that numbers to get that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the thing that not everybody will support the kind of and I call it no, no, not twenty specifically, but the little guy. Like when you're starting out, you could have the 
best kind of confidence and skills and whatever beats or whatever, whatever. You reach out to, you know, next man who's killing it. You look at you like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and there's a good chance you're not going to be given that opportunity in support. Mate, like there's some people that who, who you've, that you've helped, you supported, you've gone through that, you, you message, you see the messages seen, yeah. no response. Yeah. And you're like, and I always felt this uh, very early on, which was like, like never meet your heroes in some ways. Yeah. You know, because then you, 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 you still have that picture of innocence and, and you just, and it reminds you of good times, but sometimes when you, when you just, like it's just blatantly rude, you know, like courtesy manners and stuff like that. If yeah. you if you don't if you don't want to jump up, fine to say that's that's no problem. I'll respect you and say yeah, hundred percent, that's fine. But don't don't kind of go on and and do this because like I can see you down the pub, mate. If I really want, I'm just doing the like I'm just doing your courtesy. It's just my own thing. Like who knows? I might have five episodes left of me. I'm ten, and if I just decide to say I don't want to do it anymore, then that's fine I've just done what I've done do you know what I mean yeah it's, it's that, it doesn't pay my bills it doesn't do that kind of thing but it's out of enjoyment yeah. that I, I want to do it yeah, yeah, yeah and but when it starts becoming toxic like the word that you said where I could I could feel it I could genuinely feel it where it's going in terms of like social media is going to start driving oh you're getting oh you got this many views and that yeah look man I'm in a hundred two three hundred four hundred views or five hundred thousand views I'm not like hitting numbers of like a million what some of these other people are yeah. and understanding their understanding their lane. Mm. But honestly, like I didn't, at the time when I started, I was very adamant, like it's not the numbers, but like, I will be honest, sometimes like your eye starts creeping on it and you're like going, this is a bit strange, but you, you kind of work out. Like if I got X amount of downloads and this was a song, yeah. I'd be number one. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd be number one in that, the worldwide genre chart in it. Do you find it pressuring, like, to keep the comment, like, for example, we've got me today, right? But to find guests to keep the narrative going. Fuck, man. You know something? It's the first question anyone's kind of asked me. <laughs> You're the first question to kind of ask me. No, then, the reason I ask that is, like, for example, like, I, I've been aware of the podcast. You know, you've had harps, you've had ibs, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Then do you kind of find that, okay, you've got these ones. How do I get the next one? And if I get the next one, how do I keep it evolving? Because that's one of the things that I... Sh- I wasn't saying I struggled with it. Was- oh man, you know what it is? The, my, my, this is this is the God's honest truth, which was all my all my interests that I have. I kind of made like different sections. I said like these are the music guys that I would always love to kind of speak to, and some people wouldn't want to speak to. But I just made like a dream li- dream yeah. dream list in it. So I them I had politics that I'm interested in, uh, drugs and alcohol, which I, this is my kind of speciality. The, the other stuff I had this kind of bit in there, and I thought. You know, what I'll do is kind of one week, one section from each of them and do it that way. I then said, like, I wanted to make sure I get the right um, kind of ratio. So make sure I have uh, women in there involved and stuff. But then I realized, like, I don't know many women anyway. You know, what I mean? so I was like, there was just all these kind of all these factors. Yeah. And then naturally, because of the my interest that I've got, it's gone, it swayed more into kind of the music side of stuff because everyone in that way, everyone who I, I speak to kind of lean into that side of it. Yeah. So I was getting to a point where like I was recording like th- once I record three a day, I recorded in one day I recorded three. So I know that's three weeks of content. Yeah. I, I and when I did that, I you know, with harps was first, and then I, I like DJ dips. And there was one more that I recorded at, the, at that time. And I, I was really happy because then I didn't need to stress about it. Yeah. I tried to do that again to book. And like it's the night before where they'll cancel. Yeah. Or it'll be, oh, I, I'm not feeling well. Or I'm not doing this, that, and the other. And I was like, you know, that's fine. But you won't hear it from them again when you try and lift it back up. Or someone says, yeah, man, 100%, I'm on it. You're giving date, nothing. You don't hear and what that ends up being is, is like, I know that every Wednesday I've got to drop it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sometimes I'm editing Tuesday, Tuesday night through the night. Mm. And I've probably just interviewed them on that Tuesday evening. Yeah. Or I'm like running, like risking, like not having anyone. Mm. Um, but I kind of keep to that kind of schedule yeah. that I, that I want to do because that's just your natural kind of work ethic. But it's really hard to try and 
get people in and and to do it. It, it really it really is, and it and and if I was honest, my naivety, I thought, oh, I didn't think it was going to be as hard as that. It's just you know what I mean. But yeah. it, it, it is I hard, man. Remember, I, was, I was expecting someone to come down. It's supposed to be at ten o'clock. It's what nearly two o'clock now. And last night, the person was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll be there, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Adamant, ten o'clock start. It's what nearly two o'clock. I haven't heard anything from. Do you know what I mean? And I find that that's probably the most annoying kind of thing for me. It's like I had that with Tony when I went to go and meet him at eleven <laughs> o'clock, and he turned up at what was it? Well, we hope he's listening about ten past one, and he gave me five. He he was telling me something, <laughs> and he was like, I was there for five minutes, and I was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. His timekeeping is atrocious. I think mean, happening in general, man. It's just timekeeping. Do I don't, man, because if you if 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 you're <laughs> eleven, if you're eleven o'clock, you're late. If we agree eleven o'clock. I'm like 15 minutes early. Yeah, yeah. Because if you if you're on time, you're late. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you're late, you're out of time. That's it. That's it. I got a real. I'm like Roy Keane like that on the on the yeah on the on timing. Time is always thing. Always a big when he said when he said to me, I'm just getting everything set up. I I totally forgot. That's supposed to be doing this with you. Then he texted me again saying, "Ready when you are." So I said 10 minutes. I did, yeah, yeah, because we had the conversation. We literally have it. So just, just for everyone, like we've hardly, we've never spoken before, before this, about five minutes on that day, which Tony said. Um, and then I messaged you. I said, all right, I'll see you in 10 minutes. None of this is scripted. None of this is pre-planned. And it was just like, all right, see you in 10 minutes. And then you've forgotten in that 10 minutes, yeah? 10 minutes, I've forgotten, yeah, I was about to go yeah. out. I was yeah. like, okay, I've got to come back, I've got to come back. <laughs> like 10 minutes, and I've got, come on, let's just do it. Exactly. No, no. Awesome, man. So the, it, it terms of kind of like balancing that when you've got a guest or you're dealing with like some of the social media kind of bit, how do you then manage some of their expect, expectations on and their egos? Egos is probably the hardest thing to manage, man. Like some companies and clients and whatever, like will believe that their product is the best thing. They'll believe, And it's good to have self-belief, but there's great having self-belief and you know, I even said it to one was like, I was like, you ha- the people around you are yes men. You don't want yes men around you. Because if somebody would always agree to you, your opinions and your thoughts and doesn't challenge you ever, that's not the right person to have. Because you could be, they're literally there because they don't want to hurt your feelings or they, they just don't know. And nine times out of 10, they don't know any better. So they're just going to agree with you. So it's one of those things where I would always say, you know, if this is what you believe, Tell me why you think it's working because it wasn't working prior to when I started. Now I'm here and it's changed and it's working. Do you want to kind of go back? So do you manage the British social media channels? No. As in, I oversee it. Okay. Because obviously they've got, they've got a team now. Yeah. Um, who has on a day-to-day basis, they kind of run it, etc. But in terms of strategizing, etc. And yeah, that kind of goes for me and Tony. Because I, I, I have seen that. The, I have seen the Instagram, especially channel for you, like to kind of explode really. Yeah, I think that's gotten bigger. Yeah, and that was one of the things. So obviously when I was kind of cooled down, it was a case of understanding, you know, why was the page quite small like last year? But the reality was, was the previous owners hadn't digitally evolved. You know, they weren't on Instagram. They weren't on uh, TikTok. They weren't utilizing, you know, all these kind of, you know, as social media evolves, you need to be on it. Whether you're active or not, it's entirely up to you. So when obviously we came in, it was a case of, you know, previous ownerships, didn't kind of run it or own it. Now we've kind of got it. Now we haven't played catch up. And then for me, it was, it was an easy task. It was, you know, what's happened? What is the best bits of everything else? Bring the best bits of everything else into one page. Mm. Nobody would have a reason to look, go look elsewhere. Yeah, because I, um, I retweeted you lot when uh, Ronaldo scored uh, yesterday yeah. for, against Arsenal. Yeah. That was that was that was a good one. I just thought Brit Asia talking about Man United and Ronaldo. Kid, yeah. who would have thought it? And this is the thing. So the kind of people we've got in now again, like you got to have the right people with the right mindset. You know, it's not it's no good bringing somebody in who has no interest about the industry or knowledge about the industry, because it's harder to teach someone about things. For example, like you talk about music, right? Mm. Now talk about the, the golden days of UK bangers before after the bands was the kind of you know two thousands to two thousand ten. There's no point bringing somebody who know, has no idea about that kind of period to kind of, you know, talk to other people about, you know, and a, and a good key example is Keir Smuckin, you know, uh, Heritica, you know, um, he came down, but Heritica obviously was really young when Keir Smuckin before he became a saint. Then he became a saint, and now obviously he's gone back to being a wonder. So when he came in, 
I was like, that's KS Muppet. She's like, no, that's not. I was like, yes, it is. This is how he used to look before. She says, nah, he has a bug, he has a beard. I was like, that's the same guy. But again, for like those guys, like that generation don't know about that music prior. They, they don't know about Hoopé, Hoopé too. So, but how do, you, how do you then educate? Like, it's not her fault, I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, like, it's not her fault because obviously she wasn't born, essentially, right? But how but, did, because as a music channel, and like, obviously you're talking about music subject, how then do you kind of ensure that history is there? That, that, I mean, is it just because you're giving lessons on an artist or you know is it as simple as that or it's, it's a two-way thing man like number one is you know, somebody has kind of base knowledge it's about building that base knowledge if they have no knowledge it's making them do the research because there's no point like yeah. some spoon feeding you telling you what's right what's right what's right you need to figure out what's right you know there's been previous kind of people who were running the page who had no knowledge and no information and they're just posting things which was irrelevant but realistically you gotta realize the social media kind of demograph is a certain demographic people it's kids yeah. mainly you know it's your 16 to your 25 year olds is your kind of core and then from there you have like your other demographics etc and, and my aim and i always said to him was like i was like the reach needs to be around a million people a month if we're not reaching a million people a month then there's something seriously wrong and within the first four months we achieved that and it was about strategizing what's right you know there's so much stock content this channel has of previous events we had to bring it back People want to see these legends. People want to see like Lemba live. People want to see, you know, all these kind of exclusive, that's one side. Then on the other side, it's be the kind of TMZ of Asia. Yeah. You know, when something happens, cover it first. But is there a risk then in terms of like sort of the pure risk that you're going into gossip? As in, yes and no. As in like, you don't want to be like a gossip where like you're breaking up allegations and lies, etc. Make it factual. You know? If somebody- but it's a, it's a thin line though, isn't it? It is a thin line of of like you could see you could maybe say that you sometimes you could dance on that line, yeah, and quite easily is to kind of create that gossip or of create course. a situation. Of course, but then it's, it's as as a media channel, you know, if you look at MTV for example, they have you know elements of telling about what's happening amongst artists, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, why can't we be the same? Should we kind of just be like, here's a song, here's a new release, etc. You know, tell people what's happening about their favorite eyes. If an artist has done something great, applaud it. Like, you know, um, Sukhchinda Shinda went to Disneyland. Yeah, uh, well, so it with Donkey in it. With yeah, Donkey, yeah. That's everywhere. Yeah, and it's just one of those kind of things of like, it's a different side to Shinda. You will see them as like, you know, the great musician, the great singer, etc. Here he is having fun, I'm assuming, with his family. Mm-hmm. But even then, he's singing, I think, Kushiyanda to a donkey from Shrek. And it's like, it shows that it's less. Like, if you can bring your kind of favorite artists all to one place, it's a great thing because you essentially become the kind of main hotspot for a media outlet. You know, companies in India, they have it on point. There's various pages out there who literally do the same thing. But we, didn't, we have nothing in the UK that does that. And so the Asia page for my, my kind of vision for it was, you know, and again, our line of Tony was, let's bring everything into one place. You know what I mean? Don't just limit ourselves to kind of, you know, Punjabi songs, Punjabi music. Talk about, you know, more about the film industry. Talk about, you know, TikTok's a great hotspot to find content of what artists are up to. Because some yeah. artists will post on TikTok, but they won't post on Instagram. So yeah, that's my kind of role there. And where do and where do you see in terms of like combining both of your role? Well, you, you almost do three roles, ain't you? Really, you got your own kind of social media, social media for Britasia, and then like the podcasting for Britasia. Yeah. What do you reckon the formula is now for if you're giving advice for like young people? Uh, sorry, in what, what sense? Sorry. In terms of kind of like the platforms to utilize or subject matter or kind of behavior. First thing I'd say for social media, man, is don't ever let it take over your life. You know, there's people that sit there that stress over likes, comments, etc., views and whatnot, whatever. If somebody likes you, they like you. If they hate you, you hate you. If you're coming into any industry, whether it's music, professionalism, commercialism, etc., you're going to get hate regardless. You have to learn to balance the good and the bad together. You know what I mean? That's number one, I'd say to him. Number two, I'd say to him, look, whatever you're doing, keep at it. You know, you, there, were, there was years when I wasn't even being paid learning how to social media manage when I was younger. Mm. And looking back at it, you know, you realize you've been you know, manipulated through free CDs and stuff like that. But <laughs> if I didn't put in that work and those lessons then, it wouldn't put me in the position that I am now. You know, that's one side for social media. On the podcast side things, um, the way we look at kind of go ahead of it is we want to evolve it. You know, we've always said, look, 
there's nothing stopping us making the weekly podcast into more of a, a kind of breakfast show. You know, why can't we make it a breakfast show like once a week to start with? You know, talk about what's happening in the world, talk about new music, keep it current, and kind of build that team back together. You know, we have done a few pilots. You know, we might be doing a Christmas special, we might be doing a New Year's Eve special, etc. The team will grow. And I wanted to grow in a sense of, like, if I, you know, it's a team. So I don't have to be there. You know, if you have a residency of four guys there, for example, four guys and girls, those four guys and girls can basically vibe even if one's missing. So that's kind of my kind of projections. And I hope, you know, yeah. that will help them well in 2022. Ted, this is the this is the bandwagon, and I I give this opportunity to everyone. I know, I know that you've kind of said quite a lot of things off your chest, really, in a very short amount of time. So, is there a bandwagon that you want to kind of jump on or jump off? Supporting United, bro. It's hurting too much. No, no, no. Um, honestly, not really, man. Like, I'm, I'm hoping you're gonna say jump on. No, no, <laughs> I'm through. I'm a United through and through, man. Yeah. You can't support them when they're losing. Don't support them. When yeah, yeah, it's true. But no, um, I'm quite happy where I'm at. Like, I've, you know, I've been luckily fortunate enough to kind of work with good people. I've been fortunate to work with bad people. But you know, the bad sometimes teaches you the good. Um, but other than that, man, like, I'm happy where I am. You know, I'm looking forward to 2022. Uh, you know, it was great to kind of meet with you last week when you came down. Mm. Really, you know. I don't really kind of do these kind of things because I always say, look, the brand's more important, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. if I've said something that's inspired someone or has helped someone, then you know, I've done the right thing. Yeah, I definitely would say, like, you know, from I was really encouraged when I saw, uh, you know, British doing the podcast and, um, you know, I, you ain't, I, I ain't going to catch every episode or, you know, in the future or however it is. But I think it's really important that we create those conversation spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's done wrong, then at least, there's a channel for them to kind of have that road to redemption. Uh, if someone's doing good, it's an opportunity to celebrate and, uh, yeah. you know, just lift everyone up in the in the same uh, same bit. And I think we need to have a little bit more of that, I think. But, you know, looking at some of the stories, a lot of the, a lot of experience, a lot of the, the wisdom comes through struggle, you know, rightly or wrongly. And some of those people who you felt that have been wronged or you've wronged by, you know, they've probably learned their own lessons, but they're doing it in, the, in, in their own way. But, um, yeah, I really appreciate that. No, no, awesome, man. All right, bro. I'll no, catch man. up with you. I'll come. I'll see you on your soon, mate. No, no, hundred percent, man. Let me know when you're ready. We have you on. <laughs> All right, mate. Cheers. I take it. Cheers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.